Father, we thank you for this morning, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak uh, to our hearts as we uh, look at your word today, that you would transform us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. I appreciated the worship this morning, the songs that uh, Ben selected. Uh, it reminded me of Easter. Maybe it reminded you of that. Our text, John chapter 20 this morning, is about the resurrection of Christ. I don't think the song selections were an accident. They embrace and reinforce the things that we're going to be looking at out of John chapter 20 this morning. It was hard for me to sing It Is Well With My Soul because what was in my mind was the booming voice of Steve Day. And so Steve used to sit over there. He's in heaven now, by the way. You might have heard him, you know, from heaven. He used to sit over there and he used to boom. I mean, it's amazing how loud the man could be. He would boom out uh, this song with all of his heart and scare the daylights out of the visitors. The visitors would be around him and say, what got unleashed here? Well, he's in glory right now, and his booming voice um, joins with all those uh, that have gone before us and in that great cloud of witnesses up in heaven. John chapter 20 is, is such a tender, um, remarkable account of the resurrection. John approaches it very differently than the other three Gospels. There's been Bible scholars and Bible teachers that have tried to harmonize all the accounts that are found in the four Gospels. And when they harmonize the accounts, in other words, looking at what Matthew says and Mark says and Luke says and John says, they come up with about 12 or so uh, steps, or how can we put this, 12 or so episodes, or even more specifically, they come up with 12 podcasts uh, about the resurrection. And John, when we look at John and uh, harmonize the gospel accounts, John only covers maybe four out of the 12 episodes. He covers 30% of the total accounts. That's why when we come to John, and you're in chapter 20, verse 1, when we come there, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away. Well, if you go to Matthew, you would find that the stone was what? Rolled away, right? And so John comes at the narrative in a selective way. That's one thing. He comes at it a very kind of personal way. He comes at it as an eyewitness. And all throughout the text, what you see is John relating specific facts that this is what happened in this way. Like when we get to Mary at the tomb, John's going to say that she was weeping. John's going to tell us that 
she turned and thought it was a gardener. John's going to say, tell us that when Jesus called Mary's name, she turned around. Like how? So John is this eyewitness to all these events. And thirdly, what's unique about John chapter 20, which, which in my life, my heart, just really touches me, is that John deals with the people. John deals with the heart. He deals with how the people reacted to Jesus' death and finding the tomb empty. And then, in an amazing way, John deals with the transformation that happens when they encounter the risen Christ. Matter of fact, the climax of the chapter is found in someone that you might be familiar with, that I can identify with. He's called Thomas Didymus, Thomas the twin. And Thomas is loyal to Jesus, but he's got a lot of character flaws. He's impetuous. He's obstinate. He's like, skeptic, show me. And yet, Jesus comes and touches his heart in such a way that, matter of fact, Jesus says this to him. He says, stop, stop being an unbeliever. Come and believe. And so John captures the people, the scenes. Matter of fact, he records an athletic event, kind of. Come to the text. It's right there. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now, we know the other disciple is who? It's John. Good. So she went to Simon Peter and and John, and John, John's, John's, a, John's a character. He never forgets to remind the disciples who Jesus really loved the best. And he says that again and again throughout his Gospels. He says, and to, and to me, and I'm going to be humble, but I'm not going to use my name, but I just want to let you know that Jesus loved me more than the rest of you. And he said to them, uh, she said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they had laid him. And so the, the thought behind Mary is that Jesus' enemy had come and stolen his body away. It's interesting to hold on to that thought because when Mary is weeping in the tomb, She's not expecting to find someone that's living. She was searching for someone who was what? Who was dead and in grave clothes. Verse 3. So Peter went out with the other disciple, John, and they were going to the tomb. Both of them were running together, <laughs> but the other disciple outran Peter because he was a little chubby, and he was trying to retire from being a fisherman. Could be. And he just, John wants to know that in a non-competitive way, 
that he reached the tomb first. Yeah. So sweet of him, isn't it? I'm loved by Jesus more than you. And by the way, Peter, you're a little slow. I wasn't planning on telling this story, but it's really humbly when someone just does that to you. Uh, my son, Timothy, he played, uh, he's a very competitive person. Uh, of course, I, I was, you know, more balanced. And uh, we would go out for runs because he was playing competitive soccer. Uh, psycho soccer, really. And uh, so we would go out for runs together. And I have to tell you, I just loved tormenting him, beating him, running. Until something happened. He had just turned 14. And we were out for a four-mile run up 3A, up the hill towards the center of town and back. And the squirrel, he just looked at me. We were on the return run. And I was feeling really good that day. Had a good lead on him. I hear the steps. And the squirrel came next to me and looked at me and said, Bye. <laughs> Such a great memory. Take a look at verse 5. Look at the eyewitness account and, and stooping to look in. So it gives you the picture of what the tomb is like, the low, low opening and stooping and you, you step into the little chamber there where it goes off in uh, different directions where they laid the corpses out. John is specific. He gets even more specific. He saw the linen clothes lying there, but, but John, <laughs> being sensitive to Peter's elder age, John waits and allows Peter to go in he saw the linen cloths, face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen, but folded up in a place by itself. And then John, who had reached the term tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. And then it's qualified a little bit. Verse 9. For as yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. So there's a couple of things here that are important to us is that there's a process that's going on here. They're seeing all this and they're stepping into it to, to believe, John says, but they're not quite sure of how all this works out. You might know as we, if we harmonize the gospel accounts, we could go to Luke 24. There were two disciples walking along the road to where? To Emmaus. And someone comes up alongside them, begins talking to them. Hey, boys, what's happening? And they don't what? They don't recognize it as Jesus. And as they're going along, they're saying, hey, did you know about this Jesus guy? And then the, the guy that's walking with them starts unpackaging all of the what? All of the Old Testament about he, how he must suffer, how he must die, and how he will rise again. And then their hearts are, quote, burning within them. And then Jesus leaves them. 
when you look at the process that's going on here, it's remarkable when you look at uh, Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2. When you look at Stephen's preaching, when you look at Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch, they have these remarkable understandings of Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22. Where did they get that all? They got that because Jesus spent time with them and 40 days before he ascended and unpackaged all of the Old Testament in a way that they got it. And so just because you need some process doesn't mean you shouldn't start the journey. Just because you don't understand, do you think I understand everything about Christian faith and belief and doctrine? The answer to that is no. I'm still learning things. And faith, as Jesus is going to say to Thomas, stop your unbelief, trust me and believe. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Like I often ask people, like when you go on a trip to Florida, do you want to sit on the outside of the plane or the inside of the plane? Inside the plane is much more comfortable, by the way. But there's always going to be a Thomas here go, I'd like to try the outside of the plane. Faith bids us to come and step into who we are in Christ. And begin a journey. You're not, not going to know everything, have everything figured out. Neither did the disciples. And so we come to verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Next little story that we see in John 20. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, look at the word choices here. She did what? She stooped to look. Mary was weeping. She's looking for a dead body. She's weeping. She, she hears someone from behind her. Her eyes are full of tears. She, the text says she kind of looked and said, oh, it's the gardener. She continues to weep, and the gardener, she thinks, says, woman, why, why are you weeping? And she says, oh, they took my Lord. What happens next? The gardener says her name, Mary. And her heart breaks. And faith fills her heart. And she cries out, Oh, my dearest rabbi, here you are. I can understand why she didn't recognize Jesus. The guys on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him. As a pastor, I am, to use a phrase, acquainted with death. I remember one time I was doing a graveside service and it's pretty emotional and stepped way to the side, up the road a little bit. People cleared out 
Car pulls up. Young woman gets out, weeping. Fresh grave. Throws herself on the top of the grave. Her husband's grave. Weeping and heaving. That's Mary. She lost one that loved her, cared for her, gave her faith and hope. And John captures that moment. And he captures the transformation that happens. And that's what happens to you and I when we come to know Jesus. Fills our heart. Gives us hope. Forgives our sins. Gives us courage to live life. Mary had that experience, and what was her response? Mary, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he, he, he said these things to me. Next episode. It's all personal. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. Did you notice that John, John is specific? It's not one door, It's at least two doors. Some people think this is the upper room, and so the door, street door is locked, the door to the upper room is locked. Why? Because they're fearful. And what's the first thing that happens is Jesus and his resurrected body comes into the room. Now that would get my attention. But what's the first thing he says to them? And he's got to say it again. Peace. Peace. To troubled hearts. Peace to fearful hearts. And then Jesus says to the boys, says when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And do you think this is an understatement? That the disciples were glad? (laughs) Well, if they were Irish, I know what they'd be doing. They'd be dancing and carrying on like crazy men. And then Jesus takes it a step further. Look at the text with me. He says to them again, peace be with you. And then he commissions them, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And we see them receiving The breath of life. This same word that's used as breath, emphasio, is the same word in the Greek used in the Septuagint, emphasio, to describe when God breathed the breath of life into who? Into Adam. And what we see is this amazing sequence of events where the, where the second Adam comes and breathes the gift, not so much of life, but breathe the gift of the Holy Spirit and empowerment into the disciples' lives. We see the fulfillment of that in Acts chapter what? Acts chapter 2. See the fulfillment of that. 
There's one last story. Some of you are watching, you're watching, and say, that's good, Conway, you got five minutes. It's one last story. It's about a doubter, a skeptic. It's about someone saying, no way, I ain't believing. But he's loyal to Jesus, too. Saying, Jesus, I'll die with you. Yeah. But he's a doubter. He doesn't, he refuses. And Jesus has a way of stepping into Thomas's world that is, well, it's just really special. Look at the text with me. It says, now Thomas was one of the 12 called the twin. He, Thomas wasn't with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now these are his buds. And, and he's like, no way. I'm not believing you. You must be hallucinating or something. Unless I take my finger, unless I take my hand, I ain't believing. You know the story, right? Verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples, note the sequence of events. It's a little hilarious, at least to me it is, but I have a weird sense of humor. Thomas is going to get set up. Jesus is going to mirror to Thomas exactly what the disciples told him they're going to be behind locked doors. At least two. Jesus is going to come in and say what? Peace be with you. Jesus is going to say to Thomas, come to the text. Peace be with you. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas, with a heart full of faith, having met the Lord, says, You are, you are my Lord and my God. And the last verse of chapter 20, it's a beatitude, it's a blessing. And it's a blessing to you and I that sit here today. It's the blessing that happens when we respond in faith to the Word of God. Because no one in this room has seen the risen Lord. And the blessing is, here, I'll read it, come back. Chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? And the answer to that is what? Yes. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have what? Believed. That's why John wrote this gospel to us. So that we could believe. It's why the other three gospels are written so that we could know and experience through the Bible who God is, his nature, and his character. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing how? By the word of God.
Do you need to have everything figured out before you start the journey? No. But I'll tell you this. It's a mystery. You can't quite figure it out. How does that happen? How does it, how's it, how does it happen in your life, Conway? It's somewhat of a spiritual thing. Whew. Is that when we hear the gospel and we say, Yes, I believe. You're cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart that's wooing you and drawing you. But I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. Jesus says to Thomas, stop your unbelief and do what? Step in. Step into the boat. And that's where you and I live. You and I read the gospel message Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And there's a warmness in our heart. And if you feel that this morning, that warmness in your heart, that, that inner voice that's saying, that's true. But I don't know everything. It, it's true. It's still true. When you feel that warmness of your heart and that, that, that longing to know that your sins are forgiven and, and all is right between you and God, that's him working. That's him knocking at the door. And when we step into that, he does something you can't do for yourself. No one else can do it for you. Is what God does. Is he forgives all your sins and he sends his spirit to indwell you and to fill you with the spirit of truth the spirit of peace and his joy in your life. I can't figure it out. I remember when, when uh, I know it's hard to understand this was the truth at some point, but I was a young man once in the Air Force. And My Christian roommate lied to me. He said, would you like to go to Fisherman's House? And being from New England, I thought he meant what? Fisherman's House. Restaurant. And he took me to this Christian crazy coffee house thing. And I said, I don't know what these people have, but I want it. I... I I looked at, uh, Rich looked like he didn't even believe me. I said, yeah, I want it. And he goes, well, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart. ask you to forgive me my sins. Lord, I put my faith and trust in you. Lord, fill me with your spirit so I can live in your peace and your joy and, and know that my sins are forgiven. I'll live with you forever in heaven. What? happened to Sergeant Conway? It's a mystery. Based in truth. That God will come and indwell those that call upon his name. If you sense that call tonight, whether you're here in the room or watching online, I'd ask you to pray that same prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. 
Forgive me my sins. Fill me with your spirit. So I can walk in your peace and your joy. And so that I know that I'm secure. And if I were to leave this earth this moment, I'd go and live with you forever. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? If you're online and you said amen, give us a call. If you're here and you said amen, come up and talk. You don't have to talk to the crazy Irishman pastor. It's okay. Come up and talk to someone after the service or pull someone aside and said, you know, I don't understand it all, but I've begun the journey. Amen? We get to close with the Lord's table this morning and we would invite you to uh, prepare your hearts to celebrate the Lord's table with us this morning.